0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and we're back after our Christmas break. And it feels a bit like when you've been at school, you know, school holidays and you've forgotten how to write, I've forgotten how to introduce this, so I'm just bumbling through as normal. But uh, I'm joined today by Red Cross One and Sarah Clapson. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? Good
1: morning, Matt. I'm okay, thank you. How are you?
0: good. good. Uh, Good, yes. And BBC Radio Nottingham Sport presenter David Jackson returning to the podcast. Morning, David. you well?
2: Very well. Happy New Year. It's all good. We're unbeaten in five at Forest. It's all going well. This is good. Let's just ride the wave.
0: Absolutely. New Year, new era. Success is coming. Here we go. Right. Um, So, as David says, we're doing very well. Um, Preston nil, Forest 1 is a very good result for Forest to start the year with. Sarah, you travelled up there. What, What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I thought Forest were probably deserving of the win. They played really well in the first half, just didn't create too many clear-cut chances. They had so much of the ball. put in. I lost count of the number of crosses they put in, but didn't really test the goalkeeper too much. Um, Second half was a little bit different. Preston came out and and put a bit of pressure on, but Forest stood firm. They they looked pretty resolute. I I can't remember... um, There've been too many nervy moments. I know Bree Samba made some really good saves, important saves at, at crucial times. So, um, but then they got the penalty, went ahead, and I thought they were, they were probably deserving of the win, really. And it keeps that unbeaten run going, which was important. It, it just makes it a little bit more positive, and the mood a little bit better, and just a, a bit more, a bit brighter around the place. I think a
0: little bit. Before we go through the game in detail then, I wanted to, uh, thought it'd be interesting to have someone from the BBC on for talking about this game because David, you weren't able to go. I mean, that's the of the course for yourself this season, but Colin Frey and Steve Hodge couldn't go either and you had to cover it remotely. Uh, a very unusual situation in these very unusual times. Uh, how did it go for, for the BBC? Did it actually work all right?
2: Um, it did. We got a bit lucky that the iFollow stream uh, didn't buffer too much. <laughs> we're actually OK with that. But the reasoning behind it was not the government rules, Of course, the government rules are that you can travel in and out of a tier four area for work. But uh, the BBC decided to interpret that as well. Do you have to go still? Because uh, Radio Lancashire, in, in, for our instance, were doing commentary on the Preston Forest game. So therefore, in theory, Radio Nottingham could take their commentary all we could do as we did, which is put Colin Frey and Steve Hodge in this room. Actually, this is the room uh, I'm in, the conference room uh, at BBC Radio Nottingham, and they could watch the game on a stream and provide commentary. And we decided that that would be the, the better option because we thought that our listeners would prefer to listen to um, the people they're used to, Colin Frey and Steve Hodge, to commentate on the game, even though they weren't at the match Uh, but they were able to see the game and we thought that would be a better service. So, yeah, they watched it uh, from here in the conference room, very well socially distanced, a good three or four metres between them and on uh, one of those tellies up there, uh, put the game on. Um, And uh, yes, thankfully, it it worked all right. I mean, they were between 30 seconds and a minute behind the actual action. So if you were monitoring your phone uh, on social media and also listening to the radio, then you'd have known there was a goal coming up and then heard Colin commentating on it. But, um, you know, that was uh, as good as we could do in the circumstances while Nottinghamshire is in a a tier four area and it it, it went as well as we could have hoped. And, uh, you, you know, you do sort of still worry about whether if I follow just suddenly decides to crumble for a minute or two, then... Colin Frey's going to have to do some expert filling for a minute <laughs> while we wait, wait for the feed to catch up. And it didn't help that the game then went on to nine minutes of stoppage time because <laughs> we've got nine minutes of stoppage time. We were a minute behind already. i virtually hardly had any time to talk at the end of the commentary on, on the programme because we were virtually done, uh, but there we are.
0: Well, the good thing is I follow super reliable. There's been no problem (laughs) with it all. (laughs) Um, So back to the game then. Forrest won through um, a penalty for Lewis Graben, handball by Darnell Fisher blocking Cafu's shot. Um, There was a lot of debate about the penalty itself, the taking of it. There was also a debate yesterday. I did a piece with Stephen Warnock, from EFL on Quest, saying that Preston should have had a free kick and that Fisher was fouled by Graben. And that's what sent him over. I mean, um, well, Sarah, what was your view on it? Was it a penalty? Was it a double take? Were Forrest a bit fortunate there?
1: I thought it was a penalty. Um, it was Cafu's shot that, that hit um, hit the arm. Um, I've watched that again, the, the actual penalty taken from Graben, and it is quite difficult to see. Uh, Chris Euton says he slips. And that's why it looked like he hit the ball twice. Um, I guess you kind of have to take his word for that. It, it didn't look like he struck it twice, but I mean, their manager seemed pretty furious about it and uh, thought the referee had made a big mistake. But to me, it looked a while. I say I've watched it a few times and it is really difficult to tell from the angles. But I, I guess you kind of have to take um, Lewis Graben and, and Chris Hutton's word on
2: that one.
0: Mm. What did you think, David? I mean, I've seen a lot of replays of it. He probably does hit it twice, but it's so hard for a ref, isn't it, to, to make that decision in an instant?
2: I don't think there's any replay I've seen where I've been 100% certain that it was a, a double hit. And if it was, it was so so quick that how is a referee ever supposed to see it? I think even, even if they'd had VAR and even if you would watched it over on VAR, um, I'm, I'm not sure how you'd have come to a completely conclusive decision on it um, even if it, it even if he did it, it was it was so quick and I can't see that that's in any way an advantage to him let's face it he didn't hit it very well did he you know <laughs> he, he, he slipped he's, he's gone right down the middle of the goal um and, and thankfully from Forest's point of view gone in so i, I I, I just think it, it how a referee is ever going to be able to see it. how that can be classed as a massive mistake or a huge error on the referee's part I think it's really really harsh the referees are under enough pressure and got such big decisions to be able to make at certain times to then say that that's a massive error I think that's that's a bit harsh really on the referee because he's um he's slipped and it it doesn't it doesn't obviously look like two touches that's fine. Uh, was it a penalty? I, I think absolutely. As he's gone down, he seems to me he's put his arm, his right arm out like that. It's hitting their handball penalty. I, I don't, I don't see how it can be an argument, really.
0: Mm, mm. I mean, um, Greg Oram here. Happy New Year to you, Greg. Says about time we had a bit of luck go our way. Um, I mean, Forrest have done a lot of things that make me think that they look like a relegation team recently, with the goal against Stoke and the goal against Reading and all that. But they have do seem to be turning a corner hopefully and maybe that bit of luck did go their way I mean do you think David they are actually turning a corner now or are we just being typical football fans and getting way ahead of ourselves
2: well they're certainly not playing anybody uh as good as they played in that run of of defeats I think that's unquestionable so you know the fact that they're on a bit more of an unbeaten run uh, uh, they're still a lot they're not doing right let's be honest um But they've kept a couple of clean sheets lately. Was it three clean sheets in five? Only conceded uh, a couple of goals um, uh, over the last few weeks. So something's improving. I think having Joe Worrell back is a big difference because he's clearly vocal, um, both on and off it. And I think that that's making a difference. They're looking a little bit more solid back there. But then, you know, they're not coming up against teams like Bournemouth. They haven't done in the last few weeks. If, If you were to put them up against that Bournemouth side again, they'd probably concede a couple of goals. The thing that's perhaps a a bit more impressive, a little bit, the thing that impressed me on Saturday was they were, they didn't only start after an hour and then decent for 10 minutes and pathetic, the rest of it. It was, it was a bit more consistent within the course of 90 minutes, if you see what I'm saying. Um, And I think, have they turned a corner? I don't know. I'm always a bit worried about saying stuff like that because I just think they're unbeaten in five. I think that's okay. But I think they sort of had to be unbeaten in this run, given how dreadful the results were before. And given the calibre of opposition, they sort of had to beat Sheffield Wednesday and they did. So fair enough, you know, they sort of needed to get something at Millwall given the run of results they were on. And having gone behind, they fought back and got it fair enough. Um, you know, at Stoke, they, they again, they should have won it. They didn't take the chance when Kafu threw one-on-one should have, should have won that game. Um, and I, I think if they'd have actually been able to deliver some balls into the box for Lewis Crabbin at Preston on Saturday, then I think we'd probably have uh, seen Forest 0 up by half time. Or you know, because the the conversion rate of crosses with it three out of twenty three were successful crosses um, on Saturday. That that's appalling. We, we look at the mm-hmm. caliber of players, the ability of those players in that team. And we're, it took me three out of twenty-three across ninety minutes. The fact that they've had twenty-three suggests that they're getting into the right positions. To only then find another Forest player three times, I mean, it's just—it's it, not good enough. So that there's still a lot wrong with, with Forest. They haven't just suddenly turned a corner, found their form, and great—they're going to fly up the league. It's nothing like that. There's clearly still issues in there, but they're able to find a few results lately, and that's good, and it's got them a little bit outside of the uh, relegation places, although, you know, not loads. And so that's fine, and that's good, and that's very positive, and we should embrace that and enjoy that. But, you know, if if they are not going to go flying up that table, and still they can just get some balls into the box, give the striker some delivery to actually be able to put the ball in the
0: net. Hmm. I mean, David's got a point there, hasn't he, say, about crossing Mm -hmm. the the quality is a bit hit and miss and do you think are they getting enough men in the box as well it seems to be grabbing and yates and not even number 10 seems to be in the box whoever it is david's right isn't he really
1: yeah absolutely that was the one thing that really let them down on saturday they did get into good positions they did put some nice moves together it was the final ball it was that bit of quality right at the end They, they just couldn't get it right they had quite a few where the fullbacks, Cyrus Christie, Yuri Ribeiro, they both got forward and put those crosses in, but they just weren't of the right quality to to create a chance or to to find an opening or, or give Lewis Grabban something to work with. And I mean that's something that they've they've had all season. It's not a new problem. This scoring goals and creating chances. It's something that's dogged them all year. And it it isn't an easy, a quick fix. It's something that is going to take time. I think David's probably. Sp- spot on really there are very small signs of progress in the fact that they they've had this unbeaten run and there have been good moments there have been some positives i think they do look a lot more solid at the back and that had to be a starting point i think chris hutton had to make that a priority to to stop conceding those goals and in the last few games they have looked better there's been those individual errors sometimes which have cropped up and proved costly but i think in general the defence has looked pretty good. Now it's about getting them going forward. And it is still a big issue. It is a problem. Um, there is a lot to work on there. It, it's not an easy not an easy one to, to find a solution to. Mm.
0: How much credit do we give Graben for bouncing back from that Stoke game? He's obviously he scored at Preston, but I didn't see the game, so I don't know what his all-round play was like. I mean, Sarah, do you give him a lot of credit for how he recovered at Preston or not?
1: Yeah, I think you have to. Um, I don't think it was his best game, but I thought he, he worked hard. He didn't have a lot to work with. That was partly the problem. He was living off scraps for a lot of the time, which he has done for for most of this year. But to step up and take the penalty at a crucial time, I think you have to give him a, a lot of credit for that, Um, albeit he, he perhaps didn't hit it as cleanly as he would want to. Um, But just to come back from that error at Stoke, he you, you took a lot of criticism from that. He continues to take a lot of stick for wearing the captain's armband I genuinely don't really understand that one myself but I think he he stepped up when needed and he he scored the winner and you know that's what you need from your striker you need them to take the chances when they get them and he got one on Saturday and he took it.
0: Hmm. Where do you stand on captaincy David I mean I everyone says there's no leaders left in football I tend to see leadership as not necessarily shouting and bawling. You can lead by example and do different things. Is it, does Graben strike you as a captain when you see him or not, then?
2: Uh, not automatically, I wouldn't say. I think if, if you were to just take a completely fresh look at that team and decide who's to make captain, I wouldn't choose Lewis Graben. But then I, I wouldn't ordinarily choose a striker I don't think I don't think I I tend to if I was a manager and there's a great many reasons why I'm not by the way so you know (laughs) don't read too much into that but if if I was a manager I'm not sure I'd give that to the striker I think I'd want strikers just to go look you're just up there to score the goals and I'd I'd kind of want to generally uh, a midfielder or a defender to kind of be the one that's your captain out on the pitch, but um, so I wouldn't necessarily pick him as captain. I think Joe Worrell would be my probably my automatic first choice in that role. But Joe Worrell's going to do that anyway. So Joe is already going to be the one shouting at the defence and getting them organised. So does he need an armband to do that? Not really. Does somebody else having the armband mean he's not going to do that? No. So maybe giving Lewis Graben uh, the seat and saying, here you go, here's a, here's a position of responsibility for you. Here is uh, a sign of respect for you. Then maybe that gets something out of Lewis Graben. And if it does, then it's fine. It's doing its job. Uh, because, as you said about leadership, if you if you're getting that elsewhere anyway, and if the senior players who are in the team uh, are are doing that anyway, then maybe they don't need the armband. If it if it does something for Lewis Grabban, fine, let him have mm. it. Mm.
0: It also says please don't leave as well. Because <laughs> Chris Houston was yeah. asked about that, but I think it was by. Call in after the game, wasn't it? About all those it was me. Things. I yeah. had to do
2: it because we couldn't. We couldn't. He couldn't speak to him because he was. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. so, no! So, I did yeah. him on the phone. Yeah, we so we spoke. This is a, one of the other complications of the whole thing. We were relying on pictures of the the snowy pitch that we didn't know if they were live or not because they were on the tweeting. We don't know what I follow a show. Is this two hours ago? Is it now? <laughs> uh, and then after the game, yes, yeah, so I, I spoke to the manager and Joe Warren on the phone, and, uh, and um, yeah, I asked him that whether whether he, he thought the Lewis Crabb would be going and he's because obviously there was speculation earlier in the year and now we're into January um, and he he said he was confident that, that he'd be staying and you know he he is somebody who if you get the best out of Lewis Graben it, he just will score goals we knew that earlier in the season when he was missing chance after chance including that oh that horrific one which game was that And it took Rob past horrible. the goalkeeper Rob and you think mm-hmm. what is going on you know what is going on but you know with him that he will he will get goals eventually. you know he will keep stepping up, he will keep doing it and he will eventually get you goals. Um, so I don't think there was any doubt on that. And yeah, maybe it does say that. maybe it does say to Louis that you are an important part of of my team. You're an important part of uh, of this club. Um, and and here's something that maybe gets more out of, of him in the dressing room. Maybe wearing the armband does something like that for him that we don't see. That maybe the manager does uh, and I actually asked Chris Hewton about it when he first took over I said will you be keeping Chris Hewton as captain and he, he uh, and he I think he had done just for the first game and he said yeah he said partly because he already was um and I thought well actually that's a fair point because there's one thing giving somebody an armband there's another thing taking it off somebody and mm-hmm. what that says to him um and if you think unless there is a, a tangible benefit somewhere else in the team to somebody else having it uh, then w- w- why do that to a senior player? Why say no? I I don't want you as captain. That's that's quite a negative thing to to say to somebody um, who you don't want to be kind of uh, thinking about that in and around the dressing room. Really, so there's probably a bit of that in there as well.
0: Mm. There was a point uh, after the goal, and you picked, it up, picked up on it, Sarah, and other people did, where Yates is waving people over to celebrate. Dan Smith said about why didn't the players celebrate him. I'm not really bothered about that, if it's personal or not. But it was noticeable that Yates ha- was waving players over. Is that maybe just because it was a penalty and players were kind of backed off in case the keeper saved it? Or is that an interesting point about morale? Am I am I reading way too much into it that Yates was waving people over?
1: Yeah, I think we're reading far too much into it. I, I'm... <laughs> I don't think the team spirit is as good as it was last year, but equally, I don't think there's so much of a problem that players aren't wanting to go over and, and celebrate when somebody scores. I think it was yeah. it was perhaps more that people were taking their time to go over and celebrate. It's, diffi- it's difficult to see on the, the the camera angle where people have picked it up from, where the players were running over anyway, and Yates was just kind of getting them to come a bit quicker. Um, I think that I think you, you just. When things aren't going for you and when you've been on a bad run, you try and find things perhaps where just to try and justify, oh, look, we've got this terrible team spirit. This is why we're not doing very well. This is why players aren't celebrating with each other. But I think you do read far too much into it. Um, I think they're probably, like I said, I don't think the team spirit is as good as it was last year, but I don't think there's massive divisions in the dressing room to the extent that that's why Forest have, have not done as well as what we all thought they would.
0: Yeah, it's not Van Hoyt on con strike then, David. You, you mean you, you, you've you interviewed players this season, I've interviewed, obviously Sarah has. And, you know, I agree with Sarah. It's not, you know, that great bond of previous years, I wouldn't say yet. But maybe coming through a bit of adversity, you know, hopefully they are forming a bit of a team spirit, maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you'd expect team spirit to be particularly high when they're losing football matches and they are where they are in the league. And, you know, they, yeah, they... But, they got the goal eventually but I think we all knew that if they'd actually as we said earlier actually put crosses into the box created the chances that they should have done given the positions they were in then they they should have been ahead anyway um, I, and so I think maybe there's just a little bit of that in there as well of like well okay yeah we've got the goal but you know it, 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 it's not like they've just scored a goal in the last minute of a game that sent them up into the playoffs or something you know it isn't Perhaps necessarily that same buoyant, jubilant kind of atmosphere that you get from a great team spirit. You know, Forest. You know, just over twelve months ago, they were winning football matches and and going top, uh, as they did at Stoke. You know that that that's going to just get everybody excited at the moment. That's not really where Forrest are. Where Forest are at the moment is grinding out results and just sort of coming out of it and going, OK, where are we? What do we need to do next? And they're in the middle of that. They're not really in the, in the spirit of doing a lap of honour to, to celebrate a goal and, and jump all over each other and celebrate it. I, I don't sense that's the mood and nor would I particularly expect it to be. Um, it's a good win. And I'm sure that they went off and I'm sure they were very happy As big to Joe Worrell after. He sounded a very different to a very different Joe Worrell to the one that we spoke to uh, a few weeks ago when he sounded a bit cross, quite angry, frustrated, annoyed at what was going on at Forest, And he sounded like he felt like things were beginning to turn. He wasn't unrealistic about it, but it, he sounded a bit like, yeah, we're, you know, we're on the road. But it, it seems to me at the moment that what's going on is more of an atmosphere of hard work, um, and just trying to get this team out of the mess that they know they shouldn't be in already. Uh, and, and that's where the, the mood is at the moment. Uh, that's kind of where it should be, really.
0: Mm. Now, I want to make a ridiculous pitch for Ryan Yates here, which you feel free to shoot me down. But is he becoming, and this is not a direct comparison <laughs> for say the name of the player, but could he become Forrest's version of a Jordan Henderson-type player who's a more than just a defensive midfielder who actually provides leadership from the middle of the park and cannot dictate the play, but is better than what people give him credit for. So I'm not saying he's John Henson before people in the comments say, don't be ridiculous, but is he evolving into more than what he is perceived as, I suppose I'm saying. That's an open forum, to Post, shoot me down. Um, uh, who, who wants to
2: shoot him first? Do you, want
0: to you, shoot him? you go first, you go first. Yeah. No, look, I
2: I like him. I mean, I I remember him speaking to him as a as a young lad uh, when he was uh, he was out at Knots and he was doing really well and working hard and looking decent. Um, and I, I I think he's a he's a good player He works hard. And there's a there's a lot to his game. Um, there's a lot to his game that still needs to to keep moving and keep improving. But I, yeah, I like him. I think he's consistent. Um, I think he works really hard. I think he offers the team a lot. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to see him getting uh, some goals at the other end of the pitch. I'd like to see him joining. Maybe he's just not told to kind of get up into those positions. But earlier on in the season, we were seeing him, whenever there was a ball into the box, it seems to be Ryan Yates who was getting on the end of it uh, at times earlier on in the season. And I kept thinking, why why is it always him? You know, why, why is there not someone else there uh, to do that job for him? Because he was missing those chances and getting some stick for it. And I think, well, I'm not sure it necessarily should be his job anyway uh, to, to to be there getting those when he was meant to be a defensive midfielder. But he does. He runs and he runs and he runs and he, he, he works really hard. Um, and he's not short of ability either. I just think that we put, a, for some reason, a, a supporters put a, a, a bigger level of expectation on him. Um, I don't know. But I I mean, I, I like him. I'm going to sort of shy away from using the name Jordan Henderson <laughs> 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 because I never know when it's going to get back on me. <laughs> but but <laughs> I, I, I think I know what you mean. You mean kind of that playing that kind of role for Forest, that. Yes. I yeah. Liverpool. Um, and I think if you, if you want to sort of start building a team around that you can, I, I, I sort of think that, um, eh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are uh, more pressing issues around elsewhere in the team. I think once you start sorting those out, then maybe maybe that role becomes a little less pressured and we might start seeing him maybe um, being able to express himself a little bit more um, and there being a little bit less pressure on him and a bit less spotlight on him from supporters. And I, I think that'd be good for everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the comments, Greg Orme, who's definitely my favourite viewer, says good comparison, actually, Matt. So, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> bang, bang on, Greg. Picking and picking comments? You are, aren't you? That's why. I am, yeah. <laughs> but then others are saying, um, Dan Smith says he's below average with the ball. Is the Karen Price, says he gives stupid balls away. I don't know if he actually does. I think that's more of a reputation. But I haven't seen his passing statistics. But I think what I like about him is, not that he misses the chances, but like David says, he do, he is brave enough to actually get forwards and, um, you know, try and take responsibility when, you know, if everyone did what he'd done this season, I think Forrest would be better off. Sarah, do you want to shoot me down about doing (laughs) Oh, I would
1: never shoot you down, Matt. Um, No, I think it's probably a sign really of how Forrest have been doing that him and Joe Orwell are probably players of the season so far um, because they've been the most consistent and they've been probably the... Probably putting the best performances, really. Um, I like Ryan Yates. I think he he gets far too much stick, mainly because he, he's, he is a defensive midfielder and people want him to be something that he's not. He's put in that position to do a certain job. He does that job. He does it pretty well, particularly alongside Sam Basau in recent weeks. He's done all right. He's not going to play defence splitting passes all the time. He's not going to ping balls around and, and create chances. That's really not what he's there for. There's so many other creative attacking players in that team who should be doing that job. It's not really on Ryan Yates to do that. Um, but he does get in decent positions. If he could head a ball, he would have probably had about five goals by now. But, he, I mean, he he does all right. I, I think he I think he's a good player. And I can see why Chris hutton has made him pretty much one of the first names on the team sheet at the minute.
2: Mm. And I think I think that's what I'm saying. Sorry, everybody's coming in. I think that's what I'm saying, Sarah. When when you say that there's other players on the pitch who should be um, creating those opportunities, mm. I think when, you say, when they start doing that or when other players come in this month and start doing that, it might take that pressure off him. Mm. People might stop looking at him for things that maybe shouldn't be expected of him uh, and that they can start doing that. He can just do his job and we can all go, oh, okay, we see how it fits. And maybe at the moment he's doing his job well. It's others that need to actually be kind of doing their job which is getting some balls into the box getting some spaces Mm. creating some opportunities and getting the goals and then we can go okay now now we see where everybody's fitting in and and doing their jobs right
0: Mm. now talking of doing their jobs right Brees Samba was named in the team of the week for the championship for Sky so I mean David is he back to his best was he ever that bad where where do you stand on Brees Samba this season
2: I mean he was great last season wasn't he absolutely brilliant last season I think when we came back after um Uh, After the COVID break for the end of last season, he didn't quite look the same. Um, I'm not quite sure why. I think there's a few players who didn't, who I, I would sort of class as entertainers people who like the crowd who sort of thrive mm. on the crowd I think Joe Lolly was perhaps a little bit like that Joe Lolly's the sort of player who likes to pick up the ball on the halfway line and when people start getting up of their seats it kind of drives them on a little bit more um, and I think Bree Samba's a little bit I feel like Bree Samba kind of feeds a little bit off the crowd which is a bit maybe a bit unusual for a goalkeeper but that is a bit what he's like um, I, and I don't think we did see the best of him uh, for, for a spell um, I think he probably when you're losing, um, I think you automatically look at the goalkeeper um, because they're the ones that are see in the goals and they're the things that you watch over and again. And I think probably, actually, if you look to the amount of saves he made, it was probably, and I seem to remember seeing a stat from a few weeks ago that he was uh, one of the the best goalkeepers in the division yeah. in terms of the uh, amount of saves per shots or something. I can't remember the exact stats, but the stats were, you know. Um, Reasonably good in his favour. I thought it was a very good save he made down to his left um, in the second half on Saturday. So yeah, I think I think he's doing well. I think that comes from having probably confidence in the players uh, in front of him. And uh, you know, when you're not playing in a defence, when defenders just uh, keep losing the man they're meant to be marking, then I think it helps, and I think it gives him maybe a bit more confidence. And you start to see. Um, something better from him and I, yeah i think he's i think he's doing well again um and it's it's great to see because an informed brief samber kind of ends up having an, another knock on effect that he gets the confidence from the defense that gives confidence back to the defense because they see they've got this strong informed goalkeeper behind them who, who's making great saves and it and it continues to sort of grow from there so it's
0: great to see mm. that's an interesting point by david about entertainers because um mm. cyrus christie raised it in an interest he did press before the game. And it was an interesting conversation. Um, he talks about players being, you know, thrive as entertainers thriving off a crowd and Samba's someone who fits in that bracket, which I never thought of. Does, does Christy have a point there, Sarah? Do you think about players like Lolly and Knockart uh, uh, thriving on a crowd or, or is that an out for a player? Do you think?
1: No, I think he definitely has a point. Um and, and Bree Samba definitely falls into that as well. He likes to wind up the opposition fans and Joe Lolly, probably even Sammy Amiobi to an extent, Anthony Knockart, players like that, they they want to get fans going. They want to entertain people. Um and I know people say, Well, everybody's playing behind closed doors. It's the same for everybody at the moment, but it's how how it affects individual players and and teams. It has a different effect. And I think for Forest and I know I've said this before I'm convinced that last season they wouldn't have dropped out of the top 6 if they'd still been playing in front of fans and I think this year they they probably would have started a little bit better if crowds had been there because they have players that that want to do that and I think they they just get so much from them when you've got a city ground a full city ground behind you going into the the last few minutes of a game and you need a goal or you need to hold on for a clean sheet it makes such a difference even when you go to away grounds and you've got a strong away following and they're making a load of noise and they just get you over the line. And I think Forest have really suffered from it.
0: Mm, mm. Um, let's turn to January transfers then and throw some quick fire questions at David, which I told him I was going to do, because we've talked about some of these before, Sarah. So I'm going to throw some names at David and he give me his, his thoughts on this before we discuss transfers more generally. So um, Anthony Knockhart, last game against Preston in theory. Where, where do you stand on that, David? Try and buy him, try and loan him, bin him off. What do you reckon?
2: Um, I I remember when he, he came off the bench, didn't he, for his debut. I remember thinking, blimey, you can see the ability of him. Was it, was it against Derby? I can't remember. It came off came yeah. at half-time, <laughs> I think, Derby, wasn't it? <laughs> and he just thought, okay bags of ability this this guy's kind of going to make a difference and then it's just not really happened and I was really pleased to see um young Alex Martin getting an opportunity and great to see his, his, his sort of enthusiasm and just the running that he offered and, and obviously ultimately getting a goal as well but I, I think he has gradually sort of picked it back up again and knock on Chris Hutton made a similar point when I spoke to him on Saturday that he sort of feels like he's getting towards um where he wants him to be now so I'd probably be thinking, yeah, let's 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 extend the loan if you can. Um, he sounded like he wanted to stay uh, when we spoke to him uh, the other night, just after the uh, after the Stoke game, and it, it, so he should be because he's going to get football here, and he's not at Fulham, is he? In the, in the Premier League, despite where they are in the table, I, I don't think he's probably going to get in that side. They've uh, changed things around um, quite a lot, Fulham. So. Um, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be looking to extend it, but I, I would be wanting more from him. And I think uh, I, I think we'd probably be looking at getting other players in in, in those areas as well, because uh, I, I think if you've got a, a really good number ten in that position, and as uh, as well as Caffi was done, I think I I think Forest are kind of desperately in need of a a, a really good number ten. Somebody's going to score goals. Somebody's going to carve open. Um, an opposition defence perhaps a bit more than he's been doing and also that when he's given an opportunity like he was given um, the other night at Stoke can, can put it away so um, I think that's for that position for Knockhart sorry I've kind of died, ended up going off off a little bit there but with, with knockout, I, I'd I'd say keep him because if he continues on this trajectory of improving at the moment then he can be very very useful for the second half of the season but we haven't got as much out of him up to now as I'd hoped
0: is it fair to say, Sarah, all indications are Forrest are trying to keep him, aren't they? Yeah, probably on loan. That's that's what the noise seems to be like. Is that right or not?
1: Yeah, I think that I can't see them taking up the option to buy at the moment, I think, because he hasn't performed to the level that they'd expect. I think if they're going to do anything, trying to extend that loan seems like the, the most sensible option and then review it again in the summer. Um, yeah. Like David said, Chris Houghton, I think that's probably the... the Not pleasing, but promising thing, I suppose, is that there is more to come from him, that he's not reached his potential yet. And if you're thinking, well, in the second half of the season, we're going to get more out of him, then that's encouraging. And I think that's probably that might sway it. And um, uh, yeah, I think that that he would, um, they'll try and get him back if they can, probably on loan.
0: Hmm. Um, David, you talked about a number 10 and what they need. So is that number 10, a Bren- recall, Brennan Johnson, or is it too soon for him? What, where do you stand on bringing Brennan Johnson back?
2: Um, I mean, he scored goals in League One, just like Tyler Walker did last season, didn't he, uh, for Lincoln? gone scored some goals in League One and sounds like he's doing well. Um, bring him back if he's going to play, uh, but I don't see any point in bringing him back if you're going to play him for a little bit or you know, try him and then end up, leaving him out for the rest of the year. What's, what's the point? He's, you know, he's developing well at Lincoln and he's doing well. And the fact that a player has gone out and done well doesn't mean Forest have done bad business by letting him go. It means they're mm-hmm. doing good business because they're giving a young player an opportunity to go and get first team football and they're doing well and thriving and playing well in that environment. And maybe Forrest will get a longer term benefit. Mm-hmm. Rushing him back to throw him into the first team in a, um, a, a possible relegation battle if that's how it pans out. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't seen him play. I've seen the the fact that he's scored goals, and I've, I've seen a couple of them. But I don't, I don't know how much to read into that. Really, the difference between scoring goals against a team in the in League One to putting him up against teams at the top end of the Championship. How, how comparable is that? I don't know. That that's something for, that Chris Upton will know an awful lot better. Um, it, I, I, I'm not sure. I, but it, equally, I'm not sure what else you get in terms of um, in terms of quality in January. Yeah. For that position. So yeah. um, I, I would possibly be inclined to say uh, if, if they can get better, if they can get um, a, a really good number 10 in from somewhere, then I'd I'd favour that because I'd rather Brennan Johnson just go and um, get more out of his, his loan at Lincoln and, and we'll see where he is ready for next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, Tom Clifton says Carvalho, but I think the only player who's in line to be recalled potentially is Brennan Johnson. No one else is coming back. Um, and then the name we're all forgetting, Sarah, um, Simon Gill says Luke Freeman could be our number mm-hmm. 10. I mean, he's not done a lot so far, but he's coming back from surgery. I suppose is it should, we, are we foolish to write Freeman off at this stage of the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's probably a little bit like, well, like knockout. And a lot of the players, really, he's not played to his potential. Um, we haven't seen him play or have the impact that we kind of thought he would do. I think it's going to take time for him. Obviously, he's had this surgery, he's been out for quite a while now. Um, so it's going to take time for him to get back up to scratch. But he can certainly have a part to play. I think he, he's somebody that that Chris Hewton's going to, going to look at and, and try and bring in and, and get him back in amongst the team. But I still think they they need somebody else in that position as well. I, I think trying to find—I know they've got loads of midfielders, but trying to find a, a creative midfielder who can add a bit of something going forward. I think that has to be that has to be up on their, their list.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the name, the big names, to you again, David, for your final uh, opinion is uh, Kamel Grizecki. Has always been in the frame for months and months. Almost signed at the last window. Oh, he's 32, so he's experienced. Is he the kind of player that you'd want them to bring in this month?
2: Well, if they start now, do you think they might get it done in time?
0: <laughs> if they fire up the fax machine <laughs> <be> now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, rather than leaving it to the very last 30 seconds and then finding <laughs> that they were 20 seconds too late. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Chris Houghton seems to like experience. He seems to favour experience and he's done that over the last few weeks, even just in a small matter of, you know, lower can so was on the bench the week and left him out in favor of bringing Scott McKenna back and, you know, Alex Martin missing out and bringing knockout back. He tends to, seems to favor more experienced players. I think certainly uh, at the moment while they're at the bottom, I think he'd rather have a, a majority of experienced players around rather than, um, than younger ones. Uh, and that seems to be the way it works. He obviously likes Kricic. he tried to sign him last time. So if, if, if if that's, I mean, he's not been playing again and, and, you know, this is this is what you get in January. You know, the, these are not um, necessarily long-term, thought-out things that it might chase, take 12 months to chase a player and get the one you want at the right time. This is, who can we get this window to to help Forrest out o- over the next few months? Um, and he's somebody who Hutton knows and likes and if he feels he can get the best out of him and if he feels he can get him going despite having not played for a bit... Then, then great. But again, this is this is where Forrest are. So many years in a row where at the start of January, we're looking at who, who can fix this problem that, mm. that we've got halfway through a season. And it, it just shouldn't be like that. It, you know. But there's constant change over of managers, a constant change of um, transfer policy um, and a constant mishmash of signings over so long and so many signings over so long that once again, we go into January, despite having made uh, more than a team's worth of signings just a few months ago. Thinking, who who can we sign now? Who's available that we can sign now to, to plug a gap? Um, and it, it it can't go on like that. You know, longer term that that has to um, change. And if you ask anybody at the club, they'll all agree. But but they would have done for years, and it's all you know, it's all continued to be the same. So I think that's the bigger problem underlying all of this. But here we are again start of January, thinking who can, uh, who can Forrest get to put some cross into the box or to fill the number 10 position. And, um, yeah, if, if Chris Hutton believes he can get uh, Grisicki in and firing and, uh, and playing well quickly enough, um, then then great.
0: Mm. Now, I'm going to throw some names at you and all you're allowed to do is say stay or go, or here, here or gone, in fact, for the end of the window. And Sarah, I'll throw them at you first. These are current Forest players. Will they still be here at the end of January? Uh, is this
2: sorry, Is this will they be, or do we want
0: them to be? Will <laughs> they? Will they be? Will, they, will be? they be? Okay. Yes. Yes or no? Guerrero.
1: Um, 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 I don't know. Tough <laughs> word. I'm thinking too much about that. It's a tough this one. More I think... still
2: fire, Sarah, for you, sir. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I'll go with no. Yano. No. Dericua. No. Clough. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> yes, but I think that Forrest will again try and, and move him on.
0: Yeah, and Heffler.
1: Yeah, probably the same.
0: Probably <laughs> been hit, but they've,
1: they've, There's been so many windows where those two have been possibilities mm-hmm. to leave and just haven't. They haven't been able to to get fixed up with something. Um, I'm sure Forrest will try for both of them again, but it's easier said than done when you're not playing games.
0: And then David, I'm going to throw the same names at you. So Guerrero. No, I, I mean,
2: I, I think that he, I, I think probably he'd go. Yeah. Yannou. Sorry, I, I've, I've meant this meant to be one word. Sorry, I'm not, no, no. I set the
1: tone, David. So answers, on. deliver on you as much as you like.
0: Yanu?
2: I mean, Janu, I quite liked him when we saw him earlier in the season. I, I sort of thought he got quite a decent left foot. I quite liked him, but by the sounds of it, it seems like he might he might go. But I, mm-hmm. I, I I quite
0: liked him a bit earlier in the season, but there we go. And then Derikwa, Clough and Heffler, what do you think about them?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, as, as Sarah rightly points out, I mean, players like Clough, uh, it's been around for so long, and nowhere near the team. But who, who's gonna who's gonna take those players? You know, and and, and so I think it's gonna be really tough to uh, to find to find uh, a home for them, really. But um, it's been interesting actually talking on across our social media platform. I don't know if you've experienced the same thing that when we've talked about transfers, um, the, the comment that you get is a lot of um, sort of exhaustion about the whole thing. And actually, what people say they want is players out rather than players in which is kind of the Mm -hmm. the wrong way for a supporter to think because supporters normally are like "Who, who can we bring in to boost the squad and all fans say is can we just get rid of some of these others that are just kind of hanging around can we have a smaller squad please and it's that feeling that's been built up over the years of this become a sort of transfer apathy and it becomes a bit more less exciting when players sign and more interested in can the squad be smaller? Can we have a tighter unit of a, of a squad that could create a, a, a good team spirit? Um, and that's the longest answer to a quick fire question <laughs> you'll ever get.
0: One more name for you, David. Thanks, I asked this to Sarah the other day. Forrest have been linked with Shane Duffy today, a centre-half, which makes no sense unless you're selling a centre-half. So, um, Joe Worrell still here at the end of the month or not?
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, I certainly want him to be here at the end of the season. I mean, if if he is able to move to the Premier League, I don't think any supporter would necessarily blame him. But I'd, I'd like him to be there. If you're going to be down at this end of the table at this stage, he's somebody I want in the Forest defence to help lead the charge out of it.
0: Uh, let's uh, finish up by turning our attention then to the FA Cup tie against Cardiff at the weekend. Uh, a weird question. Do we, do we want Forest to win? Bearing in mind coronavirus postponements that are rife and everything, is is it a good thing if Forest win the game, Sarah?
1: I, they won't be going out there to try and lose the game, but I think no. if, they, if they got knocked out, I don't think it would be too big a deal. Um, it would be nice to keep that momentum going and I could see why um, you would perhaps want to get that win because then you make it obviously six unbeaten and you feel like you're on a little bit more of a roll. But if they didn't, I don't think anybody would be too disappointed because of how congested the season is anyway at the moment um yeah I think that's that's probably about where they're at it's going to be interesting to see what team Chris Hutton picks whether he gives a few players who haven't had a chance a run out have a look at them maybe some of the younger players um it's going to be interesting to see what 11 he picks
2: if, if all clubs approach it that way, what a great opportunity to try and win the FA Cup this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If everybody's not going to bother that much, then let's do it. Let's uh, let's go and, <laughs> go and <laughs> actually have a good cup
0: run for once. I suppose looking at Cardiff's results, I mean, you know, Forrest might enjoy putting another nail in Neil Harris's coffin because they're mm. bang out of form. Cardiff are really struggling. So I suppose they're going to have to go for it, aren't they, David?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, I mean but as Sarah said you know it, it isn't it isn't the priority uh, of course it's not but it, it never is is it and with Forest where they are in the league of course that that is where they um uh, they've got to kind of focus all of their attentions and you don't want a fixture backlog of FA Cup games like um why well, we're we're so pleased to lose to Barnsley on the opening day weren't we <laughs> um but uh, I don't know I I just like the FA Cup and I'm I'm old, you know, I'm, I'm I'm, sort of still of that era where I just like it, just inherently, uh, fundamentally, like the competition, regardless of anything else surrounding it. I just like it. I like a knockout competition. I like to see Forrest involved in a knockout cup competition, regardless of what effect that has. Uh, I mean, not obviously if it ends up uh, impacting them to such an extent that it would um, see them relegated, but I can't think it would it, that it would do that. Really, you're talking about a few games and and a possibility maybe of a um, a, a big game later on in the year. Not the fans would be able to go. I know, and so what's the point of having Liverpool away or Manchester United away if you can't go? Yeah, I, I get that, but I, I, there's still I, I can't help it. I, I, I can't quite say the words the FA Cup and then say don't care if Forest lose because I I do.
0: And there's a few names being thrown in here, Sarah, players that should play in Mighton. So uh, Kanate, who's a young player, who's done well in the under-23s. Um, Will Swan would be another mm-hmm. one. Do you think that might be the kind of team that we see? That Like um, David said earlier, that wouldn't be very and would it? He does favour experience. No.
1: no, I think maybe Alex Mighton perhaps might get a game, but I don't think you would see those kind of players starting. They might be on the bench. They might come on for the last few minutes, but he, he doesn't tend to to favour giving the young players throwing them into the starting 11 really um I think maybe you might see some of the maybe the more fringe first team players um who haven't had much game time perhaps it might be one where Scott McKenna comes in builds up his minutes again after coming back um from injury he was on the bench on Saturday obviously didn't get on so it might be an opportunity for him maybe lower Conbe so um Chris Huton seems to like him he just hasn't been he's obviously lost his place in the starting 11 so maybe it's one for him as well um Maybe other others like um, Gate and Bond, you. He, yeah, he was on the the bench on Saturday. Hasn't played too much. Um, so players like that, I think, perhaps more of an opportunity for, for Chris hutton to have a look at.
0: Yeah, I think I wonder if we might see Bashiru, actually. I mean, he's been training for a few weeks, the old proverbial new signing. Hopefully he's he's good. Right, I think we'll have to leave it there. So um thanks very much to everyone who watched along and joined us and asked lots of questions and comments, even the ones who said I was wrong about Jordan Henderson. Um Sarah, thank you very much for your time. And David, thank you, thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure excellent and we shall be back uh, probably next week or later in the week depending on what happens because i'm very unorganized and have planned absolutely nothing so thanks very much everyone we shall see you soon thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening